Mark, I have $25. Can I buy a good bottle of bourbon? Dan, that's a great question. I'm Mark Still. This is The Practical Still. It's a podcast about bourbon and buying good bourbon without spending a ton of money or waiting in line four days and camping out with people you don't know. Mark, I'm Dan Cavallari. Thanks for coming to my basement. We're here with, among many bottles of bourbon right now. And and I, I asked you the question because you and I buy a lot of bourbon uh, between the two of us. Probably may, may, maybe too much. Maybe. No, no, that's not true. It's never too much. Never too much. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, the theme right now is people are buying these expensive bottles of bourbon, but there's a lot of bourbon out there on the shelves. And so when I walk into a liquor store, I see a $25 bottle of bourbon or a $20 bottle of bourbon. Does that make it bad? No, it doesn't make it bad at all. In fact, it could be a great bottle of bourbon. If if you're not doing that on a regular basis, if you're not willing to keep buying them and keep drinking them and end up with some that aren't so good, one of the guideposts you can use is looking for the word straight on the label. So a straight whiskey means certain things, and they give you a little bit of assurance um, that it is just whiskey. Nothing's been added to it. Um, the word blend comes up a lot. It's got a bad connotation, uh, certainly in Scotch whiskey and, and even in American whiskey. But if you look for the word straight, that'll give you a good indication that it's it's a solid whiskey. All right, so let's let's back up there. So we got two terms that I got to look for when I go in to buy a, a, a bottle of a, a, any bottle of bourbon, not just necessarily a cheap one. Straight and blended. Real quick, tell me the difference. Yeah, so straight whiskey has some rules around it. So let's just take bourbon, for instance. If you see something that says straight bourbon, um, then it can only have the ingredients in it uh, of the grains, the water, and then the rest of it's the process. Um, It also has to be aged a particular amount of time. So straight whiskey has to be aged at least two years, so you know you've got something there. Um, the other thing with blended is it used to it got a bad name. Um, in some circles, it still has a bad name, but it doesn't necessarily have that anymore. But if you're looking in the $25 range, you're trying to be a little bit economical but still have a good time and enjoy a, a whiskey, stick to straight whiskeys because there's some good ones in that $20 to $25, $30 range. All right, so that begs the question, uh, are there good blended whiskeys too? Sure, there are. Actually, this, the blend's taken on a different uh, connotation. In recent years. So blending got a bad name because what would happen is you take a a decent whiskey, but you wanted to make a bigger profit. You wanted to stretch that whiskey out. And so you'd put a neutral grain spirit in it, something like vodka. Um, And that way you could, you could sell that bottle of whiskey at a lower proof for the same price as you would before. And and the distiller or the distributor makes more money. Um, These days, blend often refers to companies like Barrel Bourbon, and they don't actually distill anything, but they go out and find some really cool barrels that are hidden in, in a warehouse that people haven't purchased yet or that distillery hadn't used yet. And they take those and they blend those straight whiskeys together. So a blend of straight whiskeys is different than a blended whiskey. Mm-hmm. I, always, I always think about when, we, when I go to buy bourbon, I always think of that movie uh, Sideways. Do you ever see that movie? With the, it's all about wine. And there's yeah. a scene in which, in which Paul Giamatti – uh, is is reluctant to go into this party, and he finally says, "All right, I'm going in, but I will not drink Merlot." Yeah. And I never understood that. And but but you know what I did for years? Not drink Merlot. I, I have to admit, I've not had a glass of Merlot since that movie. Right, yeah. right. But you know, I recently had some Merlot, and it was fine. You know, it just tastes like wine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same. That's the same with blended. I mean, there's yeah. some blends of straight whiskeys that are absolutely fabulous. 
Um, you know, it happens that there's an awful lot of whiskey aging right now. And, mm-hmm. e- and even as crazy as the market is for whiskey and, and the prices have gone astronomical, there's still a lot of whiskey aging. Some of these companies can't possibly sell it all themselves. And sure. so some, some entrepreneurial folks uh, are going out and buying that whiskey. And, and sure, sometimes they take a 10 or 12-year-old whiskey distilled in Tennessee and they take a 8 or 10-year-old whiskey distilled in Kentucky. They're both straight whiskeys in and of themselves. They put those two together, and they feel like the sum is greater than the individual parts. And you know, a lot of times I agree with them. And, and they're they're uh, economical whiskeys to buy. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, they're mm-hmm. not they're not twenty five dollars whiskeys typically. Sure, yeah, not uh, anymore anyway. No, not anymore. But let's get back to that. I mean, let's think about that twenty five dollar mm-hmm. bottle of whiskey. And, and we're going to talk about from time to time what is your whiskey, and do you really know what's in the bottle? Mm. Um, but there's some great ones in there in that $25 range. I mean, off the top of my head, I think the Evan, Evan Williams makes a bottled and bond. It's got a white label on it. It's a $15, $17 bottle of whiskey. Um, it's solid and it's a $15, $17 whiskey. You say it's a solid bourbon. What does that, what does that mean to you? What is, what exactly makes a solid bourbon? Well, first of all, it's a straight whiskey. So I know there's nothing else in it. Um, you know, I, I tend to like, uh, Kentucky whiskey. So if you look at something that's a Kentucky straight whiskey, that extra word Kentucky means something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a Kentucky straight bourbon, for instance, um, if you don't see an age statement, if it doesn't tell you it's X number of years old, it's at least four years old. Mm. And you like to have a little bit of age. Time in the barrel is is what makes bourbon a bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's another example of, of a good whiskey under $25? And, and tell me beyond that, when you give this example, how did you discover it? I spent way too much money uh, over the course of a lot of years. So, um, you know, it's funny. You, you and I, um, we like something very similar in the Jim Beam range. So Jim Beam's one of the oldest uh, families in whiskey. Everybody knows what Jim Beam whiskey is. Um, it's interesting that there's there's at least six Jim Beam bourbons that are all under $25. Some of them are in the teens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and every one of them's incredibly solid. And it's it's partly because Jim Beam's a gigantic distillery. They've mm-hmm. got economies of scale. They can afford to hang on to whiskey a little bit longer and not have to rush to market to try and make a dollar. Sure. So, you know, if you want to look at anything Jim Beam, um, you know, there's there's the one we like a lot together, the Distiller's Cut, supposedly mm-hmm. a limited release. I still find them once in a while, but that's a 20 to $22 bottle of whiskey. Cool thing about that is that it's, it's as close, and that – price range is as close to what's in a barrel as you'll get they do they do drop the proof to 100 proof but it's unfiltered and that gives you kind of a cool feel to it that you don't from a heavily filtered whiskey but they also have a bottled and bond whiskey that's 16 dollars. they have a prohibition style whiskey that again is unfiltered or not at least not chill filtered it's 16 dollars. yeah um, and if if a smaller distillery tried to pull off a four or five year old whiskey um, they just can't sell it for that kind yeah. of price. Just they don't have that kind of economy of scale. So right. that's a great place to start in that range. First of all, uh, if you're still seeing distillers cut from Jim Beam on the shelves? Every once in a while. Really? I have not seen it in, in probably six or eight months. There, there's one shelf you could find quite a few bottles of it on. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So it's if I house. visit your house, yeah. <laughs> well, if you see a bottle, let me know. I could, yeah, I could use yeah, another one. For sure. It's a great like, – and, you know, we use we use that term, and I hate to say it, daily drinker, but uh, it is a great bourbon to, to 
you know, have on the shelf because mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't have to feel bad about drinking it because it is so expensive, but also it's just phenomenal. Yeah. I like it a lot. It, you know, we, we, um, one of the bourbons that geeks get hung up on is, uh, the George T. Stagg, yeah. the 17 year old mm-hmm. only comes out once a year. Nobody gets one. Um, it, it sells for many times. It's, it's suggested retail price. And they have a bottle of Stag Jr. Um, that you can find a little more often comes out a couple times a year, uh, costs a lot less. I look at uh, distillers cut kind of like a baby Booker's. Mm-hmm. And we both like Booker's a lot. Booker's is the Jim Beam product. Uh, Booker No is the great grandson or great great grandson of Jim Beam, uh, responsible for the term small batch and all that that we see these days. But it's essentially the same kind of whiskey. It's five or six years old. It's not filtered, uh, other than taking the you know the the visual filter out of it. But it's not chill filtered which is another term we'll have to define at some point. Um, and it's 20 something dollars. Yeah. So it's hard to beat. You mentioned a term uh, that actually, when, when you and I first started drinking whiskey together, um, many, 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 many sips ago, <laughs> we've been, we've been sipping whiskey for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, bottled and bond was a term that I, I didn't know about. Um, and you, you had mentioned it to me and I said, okay, cool. I'll just, I'll just make sure I look for that. And I still didn't understand what it meant, but I knew that every time I bought, bought a bottled and bond bottle, it really enjoyed it. And you could tell, even though it was, it was less expensive in a lot of cases than, than some of the other bottles that I had bought over the years, that it was quality. Um, what is bottled and bond and why, why is it that every time I stumbled upon one, it, it just happened to be a good quality whiskey? Well, it's, it's kind of. Kind of cool. Um, Bottled and Bond is an act of Congress, actually. The Bottled and Bond Act of 1897 was the first consumer protection act passed by uh, our country uh, ever. So it's kind of common these days to have consumer protection laws, but that was the first one. And it came about because unscrupulous distillers and suppliers of whiskey were taking good whiskey and putting all manner of stuff in it. And they referred to themselves as rectifiers. So they, they might take tobacco spit or prune juice or other darkly colored liquids and and just take that whiskey from what was distilled down to something nasty and sell it. And that was really bothering the, the upstanding distillers, people like uh, Colonel E.H. Taylor. Um, he, he led that. Um, so a lot of the a lot of the people we know now and revere whose names are on bottles were a part of that. But that's what that was. It was consumer protection laws. And it set some rules around it, kind of like the straight whiskey designation. Bottled and bond means something. And what it means is that that whiskey has um, – it's aged in a government-bonded warehouse. So back in the day, they actually had bonding agents that walked those warehouses and protected it. it has to be at least four years old. cannot be younger than four years when it hits the bottle. It's bottled exactly 100 proof, and it's the product of one distiller – in one distilling season, and um, and you have to designate what that season and time was and who distilled it. So mm-hmm. it really takes a lot of the unknown out of a bottle of whiskey. And there's certainly some expensive bottled and bond whiskeys, um, but again, some of these distillers they just generally keep their their whiskey in bonded warehouses. And if they choose to make a bottled and bond whiskey, then you know you got those kind of assurances mm-hmm. uh, there. So there's some great ones. Back to your twenty five dollar question, Rittenhouse bottled and bond rise twenty eight point nine dollars these right, days. Right, super solid bottle. You know exactly what you're getting. Right. I mean, even the the more recent one that I uh, discovered, partly because of you and partly because of, of uh, Casey at Spirits Wine and Provisions in Old, old Town, was uh, early times. <laughs> 
bottled and bond, yeah, which, sure. you know, early times, my God, I think about that name and I think about rough nights in college, man. Yeah. But this was a great bottle. It was, it was a good sipper. Uh, it's not, it's, it's better than that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, if I think in blind tasting and, and, you know, blind tasting is exactly what it sounds like. You right. don't know what's in the glass. Right. You're not picking that out as a twenty-one dollars no. for a liter of whiskey. Absolutely not uh, whiskey. It's solid. Yeah, and I mean, and I had the same reaction to wild turkey. I mean, everybody like you. You know, you said this once before. You know, everybody's first introduction to wild turkey is usually not a great one. No, uh, one of those terrible college nights. Nobody yeah. wants to remember. Right. Mine was in a in a uh, an Adirondack shelter on the Appalachian Trail, and it was I was sixteen. It was you know not a great introduction to whiskey, um, but you know wild turkey makes some great bottles. Um, yeah, it's funny in, in a time when we complain about not having age statements on bottles. You know, used used to be a ten or twelve dollar bottle of whiskey. You knew it was six or seven years old. Hmm. Uh, a lot of that's gone away. People still diss the turkey. Yeah, but yeah. even even the entry level wild turkey one hundred and one that's six, seven, eight year old whiskey yeah. mingled together. Right, made by the stalwart. I mean, the longest serving master distiller in right. the world is Mr. Russell. Mm-hmm. He's still there in the gift shop, probably not this week yeah. for other reasons, but he's still there in the gift shop. He's 80-something years old. It's just a solid – it's a solid bottle. For and then, sure. and from that one recipe, they come up with all kind of good stuff because yeah. it's quality. Yeah. Yeah, and another one, I mean, uh, the one that, again, I discovered because of you was uh, Eagle Rare. I mean, I paid 35 bucks for the last bottle I bought of it. That's a 10-year-old whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it actually used to be a single-barrel whiskey, another term we should define at some yeah. point. But uh, – at least the story I read from Buffalo Trace, the company that makes it, was uh, it was a single-barrel product bottled by hand, and they installed a high-speed bottling line and couldn't really tell where one barrel ended and one started, so mm-hmm. they just decided to call it a small-batch whiskey, which is fine, too. But, yeah, I agree. Um, it's all subject to taste. Some people like one product or the other, but uh, I'm with you. I've got, I've got a bunch of Buffalo Trace uh, Eagle Rare bottles I bought for $28. Mm-hmm. Um, again, stuffed on the shelf at my house. Yeah. Uh, and I love them. I think it's it's delicious. Right. So you know, we're going to take a quick break here. But Mark, I got a question for you for after the break. Why in the world is bourbon so expensive now? That's another great question, Dan. All right. So we're in my basement, and you know we're we're sipping on. What are you sipping on right now? First of all, I see an empty glass, which, quite frankly, I'm I'm appalled. It's not quite empty. Oh, okay. I'm okay. taking my time and savoring the whiskey, Dan, which which is what we do. <laughs> this is your bottle. Uh, you should have noticed I drank out of your bottle. It's mm-hmm. the Heaven Hill uh, seven-year-old bottled in bond whiskey, a, a whiskey full of controversy Yeah. because it replaced a six-year-old right. bottled in bond whiskey that was only available in Kentucky that cost $12 a bottle. <laughs> um, at some point, I guess Heaven Hill woke up and decided they just couldn't sell $12 bottles of whiskey, so they discontinued it. Only to bring it back a year later, one year older, and uh, $30 more expensive mm-hmm. per bottle. But that's what I'm drinking. And yep. I'm about done. I'm going to move on. I don't know what I'm going to move on oh, to. Man, there's so many choices. There's we'll like, decide. There's also Booker's on the floor. Just I, I know that's a that's a terrible thing to say about Booker's, but I just have it next to my chair. It's not on the floor because it's like in a position of dishonor or anything. Um, Booker's is actually probably my favorite bourbon. You're welcome to crack into this one if you like. It's already open. Absolutely. Yeah, please do. Um, and this brings up a good point. So uh, Booker's was was a bourbon I fell in love with largely after you and I um, went and did a, a flight, actually, at a, a local establishment here in, in, our, in Colorado called uh, the Bluegrass in Old Town, Arvada. And that was my first Booker's experience. And oh, ooh, there it is. Sounds even sounds musical. Uh, and I fell in love. 
how could you not fall in love with that sound? Uh, and so I started buying bottles. The first bottle of Booker's that I bought was $60. The last bottle of Booker's I bought, which is about two weeks ago, was $95. Why is bourbon getting so expensive now? Because you're chasing it around and paying $95 for it. It's my fault. Damn it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's funny with Booker's. The first bottle I bought was around $50, $54, something like that years ago. Uh, I too fell in love with it and did a little study. And turns out, oh, Booker, no, um, relative of Jim Beam. He, he's the guy who started this small batch stuff. It used to be most bourbons were minglings of hundreds, if not thousands of barrels of whiskey. And, and he came up with that process, uh, that thought in the 80s. What if we did less? You know, what if we really picked out the best barrels and put those in smaller batches? And Booker's was one of those. There's four of those in that line. There's Booker's, Knob Creek, uh, Basil Hayden, and Baker's. And I think they're all modeled about the way people in Jim Beam's history like their whiskey or something cool like that. And mm -hmm. that's another reason whiskey is expensive because there's always a story. Mm -hmm. And some of us suckers buy into those stories. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think, I think it goes back to um, there was a dark, dark time in – and whiskey is a spirit where uh, vodka and other clear spirits, gin, took over, and the cocktail culture grew, and whiskey just fell out of favor. You know, it never was a booming, uh, booming industry. Kentucky whiskey and, and whiskey in general, but um, Scotch was the brown whiskey that really capitalized on the market back in the seventies and eighties. There was a there was a rough time where I don't I think some people in the bourbon industry weren't sure if it was going to survive. Through a you know a few different situations, some some very famous people, chef like um, Anthony Bourdain sipping on a bottle yeah. of whiskey and declaring yeah. it the best thing he ever tasted. Mm -hmm. and, um, some great writers writing about whiskey that probably thought their career would never go anywhere, and then before you know it, they're almost celebrities. Uh, oh, you thought you were talking about me until the celebrity part. <laughs> You're the most famous person in this basement. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I don't know. I think it's um, yeah, I think it's good marketing. I think there's great stories. I think it's a great beverage. I think that's the key. Mm -hmm. I think at some point somebody went, I don't know, this this has got some flavor to it, and you know, vodka doesn't, yeah. and uh, funny looking cocktails don't. Mm -hmm. and let's go back to something that's a little more real, something we can relate to, um, and it's it's America's spirit. I mean, they're, they're, bourbon's a, a legal designation. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's it's official. You can't just be bourbon. You have to meet certain criteria, and it's and bourbon can only. Bourbon can be made outside of Kentucky, contrary to popular belief, but it has to be made in the U.S. Mm -hmm. There's certainly some whiskeys that use similar recipes and such. Um, there's some great Japanese whiskeys that if I poured you a glass and you sipped it, you'd think, ah, that's bourbon. But it's not because it you know, doesn't meet those criteria. Right, right. Yeah. But it's expensive for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's certainly not a lack of production. There's, there's more barrels of whiskey aging in Kentucky than there are people in Kentucky. Um, but there's, um, I don't know, gentrification comes to mind. Mm -hmm. you know, why does it cost so much to live in certain areas of the country that used to be affordable? Sure. Because people get on it and they buy it. And I mean, we've both got friends that are, their basements make ours look pitiful. They've yeah. got so much bourbon in them. Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't want to talk about that as much as I want to talk about the fact that there's, there's really great bourbons that you don't have to chase around. There's really great bourbons that don't cost hundreds and hundreds of yeah. dollars a yeah. bottle. Yeah. And I want to talk about the, um, you know, the, the George T. Stagg versus the Stagg Jr. Now, you had sort of a, a wonderful moment not too long ago where you were, you just happened to be wandering through the liquor store. And what did you happen upon? Let me swallow that lovely, <laughs> that lovely Booker's. Uh, yeah. So the season's on. For those that don't know, um, 
the allocated whiskeys or the whiskeys that are so popular that distilleries, they don't just send them out willy-nilly. There's certain times a year and they tightly control who gets those whiskeys as it relates to distributors and and retailers and people like Dan and I and, and our friends work really hard to find those whiskeys. Sometimes yeah. you do camp out overnight. I've done that once. I don't know that I'll ever do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so Buffalo Trace has this line called the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. There's there's a few bottles in it. There's the George T. Stagg. George Stagg was a distiller um, years ago. At one point, the distiller was called the George T. Stagg Distillery. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, there's others. There's the William LaRue Weller. It's a weeded bourbon. It has wheat in the recipe. Um, there's the Thomas Handy and the Sazerac Rye. But anyway, they're really hard to get. Uh, they're not expensive. Buffalo Trace is a company. They don't want to gouge anybody. Those bottles, I don't remember this year's retail is either 99 or 129 a bottle. Sounds absurd to spend $129 a bottle. But if you were fortunate like I was to wander in at just the right time with that pitiful look on your face and the fellow at the store took pity on you and said, mm-hmm. I've got a bottle of George T. Stagg. Would you like it? Then you know, you'll win. Mm-hmm. And some people will flip that bottle, and I will call them names. I mean, you do what you <laughs> want to do with your whiskey, but I open my whiskey and drink it with my friends. Yeah. And that's what we did with that bottle of George right. T. Stagg. That's why we're here right now, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could have sold it for um, – I guess I couldn't because it's illegal for individuals to sell whiskey. Right. Uh, but some people could have sold it. Hypothetically. Hypothetically for 400 Four hundred seventy-five dollars, yeah. something yeah. like that. But really, I mean, boy, you know, I think about that, and I think about the nights we've had with all of our friends drinking these whiskeys. I'm like, man, that is way. It is worth way more than you know the money I would make selling it. I mean, it's just been so fantastic. It's also easy for us to say because we haven't lucked into very many of those bottles. That's but. also true. Yeah, I have yet to really stumble upon any. I've never stumbled upon an antique collection yeah. bottle. So. Yeah, you know, what, what's what's interesting is, and this is back to your first question about can I buy a decent bottle for twenty five, and and I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say there's a bottle of $25 whiskey that's as good as that 17-year-old George T. Stagg, but there are certainly 50 and 60 and $70 bottles of whiskey that I personally enjoy every bit as much as I do that yeah. Stagg. And probably the best thing that bottle has taught me, because it was, it really was the first one of those. I'd, I'd gotten a bottle of the old Rip Van Winkle 10 before, and mm-hmm. one of my favorite whiskeys is the Kentucky Owl Batch 1 Rye that I just think is fabulous. But one of the best things finally getting that unicorn bottle taught me was that exact thing is that I've got other bottles of whiskey that yeah, for I can sure. go buy every day of the week that, I mean, you know, if they're not as good, yeah. they're 95% as good for a third the price and I can buy them anytime I want. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I've got, I've got this Heaven Hill bottle and bond in front of me. You can't buy that every day, but, uh, I'd say it's as good as a bottle that's twice its price. I mean, mm-hmm. I paid, I paid, I think 60 bucks for this or 55 or something like that. That's great, considering its suggested retail price is forty. Yeah, yeah, not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's a re- it's a weird world because yeah. we're we're geeks about other things too, and in, in most things, consumer products that get crazy uh, are that there's enthusiasts around. People brag about not paying retail for mm-hmm. things. You you always want the bro deal or yeah. some kind of some kind of special deal. In whiskey, if you can buy some of these nice bottles for the actual suggested retail price. It, it's a it's a glorious yeah, day, yeah. You're and I don't blame I don't blame the retailers. Yeah, you know, I blame the retailers at gouge for yeah, sure. Yeah, but if you're not a big retailer, if you're yeah. if you're a, a local a local whiskey store or a local spirit store or wine store, um, and you don't buy multiple cases of these things, mm-hmm. those those distributors are putting the thumb to you a little bit to get yeah. you to buy stuff you don't want. Mm-hmm. So you know if that forty dollar bottle of whiskey that you paid sixty for, I don't. That that suits me just fine. It's a great bottle. And yeah, I, chase it. I don't feel like I overpaid for this bottle either. Yeah. I mean, and, and the funny thing is, you know, 
I, you know, I'm zipping through this one because I bought two bottles of this, but you know, it's for 60 bucks. I mean, how many nights am I going to get of sipping out of this? I mean, that's, that's a good deal. Yeah. Let's talk about wine. Yeah. Cause if you buy a $60 bottle, well, I don't know about your house at my house, a $60 <laughs> bottle, of, any bottle of wine, it's going to get opened and it's going to be done that night. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, f- I forget which bottle I finished. I think I, f- oh, I finished the Michter's toasted oh, uh, yeah, sour, sour mash whiskey. Yeah. And I got to thinking, it seems like that's been there a long time. Mm-hmm. How long have I had it? So, of course, yeah. I don't keep very good records right. other than pictures. So, thumb back through the pictures. That bottle had been open for seven months. Yeah, yeah. So, a, a seven-month stint with the – I paid 80 bucks for that bottle. Right. That's, I think that's a solid value. Right. I choose to call it a solid value because I don't want to be irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You're in my basement. You can be as irresponsible as you want. <laughs> You know, I, I think the other thing to mention with the with the George T. Stack bottle you found, and you were generous enough to, to let me have a sip. That same night, I had brought over the the George or the Stack Junior uh, batch thirteen, um, and I paid I paid sixty bucks for that bottle, and it's sort of the little brother, the junior to the George T. Stack. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a difference between the two. I mean, you can definitely taste a difference, and there, you know, as you like to say about that bottle, there's just there's just so many different flavors that come through when you're sipping that George T. Stag. And I think that's really the allure of that big expensive bottle. But man, having that Stag Jr. right next to it, you know, the gap between that really expensive bottle and the $60 bottle, it exists and it, and there is something to it. But man, for that, for 60 bucks, that bottle of Stag Jr. was just phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. And, and what's fun about both those whiskeys really is that they aren't one thing. You know, we're dealing with a natural product. We're dealing with a product that goes into a barrel. We're dealing with the product that goes into a barrel, into a warehouse. It's subject to different weather patterns. So really you get a little bit something different every time. But I agree. I mean, if you look at the gap, I mean, frankly, I don't know. I should be honest. I don't know if, if I tasted both of them blind that I could tell you they're the same whiskey, but they are. Right. They started out of the same still. Yeah. They went into barrels. Same, you know, yeah, same probably stuff. those Stag Junior weren't really in the right spot in the warehouse. They weren't mm-hmm. really going to ever reach the point that they felt good about them being part of that collection. Right. But still, they started life the same. They don't taste the same, but yeah. they, boy, they're fun. They I just mean, made a couple bad choices in the Rick House. And, yeah, you know. you know, people go awry, <laughs> bottles go awry, barrels yeah. go awry. It happens. They have their their strange uh, teen years, and you know. Yeah. But I agree. <laughs> I think in that bottle, I think the Stag Junior, the typical age on that is eight or nine years old. Yeah. And um, I think it's fabulous. I, th- I think there's, uh, frankly, half the time, depending on the batch, I think there's flavors in those that I don't see in that bottle I've got. And mm-hmm. and to be fair, the the George T. Stag that I've got was the lowest proof variant of that that I think they've ever done. Typically, those are in the 125. To, uh, some of them, one of them has been over 140, I think, but typically mm-hmm. in the 130 range. Um, this one was at 116 and change. Um, I like that. I like the flavor. I'm not, as you know, I'm not necessarily a proof hound. I don't mind a lower proof whiskey if the flavor's there. Yeah. Uh, but I'll I'll buy Stag Junior. Of course, some of those are reaching ninety bucks, depending on where you try and buy them too. But I'll buy those as long as they're affordable. Every time I see them, I think yeah. they're solid value. Yep, I totally agree. Totally agree. And and you know, just to speak to the proof, I mean, I'm drinking Hancock's Reserve right now. That's eighty eight point nine proof. So, mm. you know, and I think this is a topic for another episode. But high proof does not equal high flavor. No, I mean the. The, the chemical premise is that alcohol carries flavor. So hard to argue with the chemistry. Uh, but I think people get hung up on, I, yeah. I drink 130 proof whiskey neat. Well, right. congratulations. <laughs> um, you know, I think Fred knows, Booker knows 
our, our hero, Booker, his son, Fred, talks about how Booker kept a bottle of Perrier on the table in the kitchen. And he splashed a little Perrier in his Booker's. I wouldn't do that, but, <laughs> but I don't mind putting a little whiskey, a little water in my whiskey to get it, get it down to where it feels good that night. And I said a minute ago, it's, it's subject to all sorts of inputs. And mm-hmm. you know, one of those is the way I feel that night. I, yeah. I'll drink a whiskey one night, and it's just as comfortable as it can be at 120 proof. And the next night, I can't possibly keep that in my mouth, so I yeah. put a little water in it. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me. With So I, I have yet to have a Heaven Hill product I didn't like, and uh, I've got that Elijah Craig barrel proof. Uh, and I, I generally like those high-proof, barrel-proof whiskeys. Um, and I liked this one, but, man, it knocked me off. It knocked me to my heels, so I had, to, I had to add water. I had to proof it down. And when I did, you know, more flavors came out. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's part of the fun of whiskey too. Is you, you depending on what you do with it, you can really change the flavor of it very quickly. Well, it's a good lesson. You know, you drink the whiskey the way you like it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if anybody tells you there's only one way to drink the whiskey, then you're drinking with the wrong yeah. person. Yeah. Should we should we mention a couple? I know we we started the show talking about twenty five dollars and under, but should we talk about maybe name a few good good value whiskeys that people can go and buy? easily without having to wait in line without having to hunt for it what's what's on the shelf now that you would just walk into a liquor store and buy well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pimp one that's maybe a little more money than you were thinking but and and you drank some when we started it's the peerless small batch bourbon Mm. uh i've been really wanting to try peerless it's those guys are doing things way different than than most distillers um and they released the bourbon recently Typically was a hundred dollar bottle. Uh, their rye is a hundred dollar bottle. I just wasn't ready to spend a hundred bucks on something I didn't yeah. know anything about. Yeah, yeah. But I stumbled into one of our local stores and and they had it for sixty dollars the the bourbon and I bought it and it's absolutely fabulous. Um, I don't know. There's we talk about flavors in whiskey, we talk about profiles and all that nonsense and people come up with the strangest things they think they taste in whiskey. Maybe they do. I don't know. But this thing is just it's like drinking brown sugar and oh man it's good so yeah. it's 60 bucks um it, you know if i hadn't had my recently instituted bourbon budget uh, i would have bought a lot of that so <laughs> i highly recommend that <laughs> i would say uh i i tried the old forester rye it's like 20 bucks and i really didn't like it it tasted like plastic to me didn't didn't dig it but then i got the old forester 1920 which is a little more expensive. I think it's like 50 or 60 bucks now, um, around there somewheres. Uh, I zipped through that bottle. It's so good. Uh, it's, it's another high proofer. It's 115 proof, I want to say. But, but boy, the flavor, I mean, just cinnamon and, and vanilla on the back and just, oh, just smoke and everything. It just, it, there were so many different layers of, of, of tastes that, you know, you can sit there and sip and, you know, you start with, start the, start the glass. The first sip is vanilla. The second sip is, is cinnamon. The third sip is smoke. And the fourth sip, I'm on the floor. No, you know. Did you, so <laughs> we agree on that. We, I, we disagree on the rye. Mm-hmm. I've happened to, for 20 whatever dollars for the, uh, old Forester rye. I've got quite a few of those bottles yeah. at my house. I think they're fabulous, whether I'm sipping on them just the whiskey or whether I'm using them in a Manhattan. Right. I think they're fabulous. Um, but also have not tasted the 1920. I have a bottle. I hadn't opened it. Did you, you've tried the 1910, right? I've, I've had the 1910, but I don't have as much experience with it as the 1920. The 1920, I, I went through a whole bottle. <laughs> I've been through a couple of the 1910s. Yeah. Um, also, that's part of their Whiskey Row series where mm-hmm. they've got these moments and 
in Brown Foreman and in Old Forester history, and they're recreating those moments with those whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 1910 was about the fire that happened on Whiskey Row, yeah. where they, they had a whole bunch of whiskey ready to bottle. The fire happened. They had to do something with it, so they put it back in barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got a, a chocolatey, charry, kind of super smoky flavor yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned that, before we go, because we yeah, yeah. You said you, you said you brought me a treat. I brought a surprise for you. Oh, our, one of our local groups, um, the CRBC, oh, sweet. had an old Forester barrel pick, which we'll talk about barrel picks at some point. This has mm. not been opened. I'm going to open Man. it in honor of you. Oh, sweet. And uh, it is a 90-proof single-barrel offering. So single barrels are when somebody goes to the distillery or they get samples. They sample through the barrels. And instead of it – well, that was a good sound. Oh, that was a great sound. Instead of it being <laughs> a mingling of, of multiple barrels, it's yeah. that barrel they pick. And it doesn't necessarily, honestly, it doesn't necessarily make it any better. Right. Some people can pick a terrible whiskey. Um, oh, that's good. Mm. But generally, you get a different experience because you're not dealing with hundreds or thousands of barrels trying to be homogenized down to something that's a repeatable flavor. Um, you're dealing with something that is uh, a little bit unique. So uh, uh, since we both tend to like Old Forester whiskeys, yeah. I wanted to share that with you. Cheers. Thank you. See what you think. Mmm, smells delightful. All right, I'm gonna take a sip here. It's 90 proof. Just before I, I uh, down this here. Let's see. Mmm, it's a lot of dead air, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it was so good. It was worth every second of it. I might do it again. Sorry, guys. That's delicious. It's it's nice too because. You know, I, I think there's a natural progression when you start drinking bourbon to start low, and then you you swing all the way to the other end with these high proofs because you want that big blast of, of flavor, and then you kind of the pendulum swings back and you find that sweet center. And for me, the center is about 100 to 110 proof, but this is a 90 proof, and it's so it's a little mellower. But man, it's just all flavor. There's no alcohol burn. I hate to I hate. There's another one of these hate to use terms, yeah. but. Banana is always the term these days yeah. that people are talking about. That's that's pretty tasty. I love the nose. <clears throat> you know, and we started this talking about affordable whiskeys, and um, these uh, these old Forester private picks, where either a group or a restaurant or or a liquor store goes and picks these barrels, you'll find these anywhere from thirty five to sixty bucks. Yeah, they're not particularly expensive. This one's part of that local group we're both in, mm-hmm. um, and those guys do a great job picking. And this is I mean, this is solid. And this wow. was a forty five dollar bottle. This is great. Yeah, there is a little bit of that like kind of fruity smell to it in the nose. Man, I sorry, you guys are gonna have to listen to dead air while I swallow. Mm. That's good. Solid. Yeah. Solid, solid. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, that was fun. Yeah. What's uh what's uh what's the way do we well, how do we end this? We've never ended a, a show before. <laughs> well, it's because we never did a show before. But I, I think the big thing is um, you know, I'm confident that people want to know more about yeah. whiskey and they don't necessarily want to know it from the grizzled veteran or the the jaded person it's yeah. just just folks that are out there buying whiskey that are willing to invest a little bit and try yeah. it and share what they learn mm-hmm. so you know if you have questions send the questions yeah and the way you can send a question is uh you're on twitter at practical still at practical still uh, and I think we're going to be on Instagram pretty soon. Instagram at The Practical Still, Facebook at The Practical Still, and you can email me or Dan at uh, Mark or Dan, whichever you choose, at thepracticalstill.com. Sweet. Well, thank you guys for listening, uh, and, and uh, hopefully we'll get some of your questions so we can uh, answer them for you and you can be a smarter bourbon purchaser. Mark, thanks for coming. Thank you. This was fun. All right. We'll Cheers. see you next time. Cheers.